Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everything beyond and in between, and welcome to Who Back When, a Doctor Who <laughs> podcast. On oh, the podcast. This is a very special episode. Um, you'll be delighted to hear. This is the one where we just talk about Capaldi for an hour, or maybe more, or maybe less. We'll see. Probably more. Remains to be seen. Um, <laughs> No tangents allowed. We'll see how we go on. But anyway, I am your host today. My name's Marie. Uh, lovely to meet you all. And with me, I have two wonderful co-hosts in the studio with me tonight. All the way from Oxford, he's the one, the only, he's Mr. Oh, it's me, it's Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. Hello, Marie. Um, lovely to meet you too. <laughs> and all the way for the, <laughs> the wonderful town of Whitney, we have Mr... Oh, how formal we're being. Mr. Stanley, thank <laughs> you. Nice and that's Drew. Um, great. Ex- excited to uh, be here with you both. Hello, Drew! <laughs> and Marie. Well, I don't know what arrangements you've Pro- made with the German state. Proline Marie. <laughs> so, shall we kick this thing off with a question? Yeah, because there's no yes. room for B-scales. We're getting this thing done quickly. Sure. My question, <laughs> my question has a particular target. Ooh. Oh. And the question is... Leon, yeah. So, are you okay? How do you feel? Am I okay? Um, I mean, I, you mean in the absence of Capaldi? Well, I mean, this episode we are recording right now bookends a journey which we began, which you began because we weren't even a twinkle in your podcasting eye yet. At B zero zero one, the first ever bonus episode was uh-huh. Habemus Doctor Capaldi has been announced. Oh my goodness, it's coming so down right. the tracks. And now here we are at B078, 380 episodes later. You have been anticipating, craving, marveling at, delighting in, laughing at, crying at, growing alongside, mourning, and finally, latterly, reviewing Capaldi. And now you have to retrospect him and say, fuckity bye forever. (laughs) So I want to know, man, are you okay? Yeah, I mean, thanks for asking. Uh, that's 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 uh, very kind of you. Yes, I'm okay, but only because all of these episodes, all of these glorious seasons exist uh, on DVD, Blu-ray, and uh, streaming. So I'm going to just choose to live in the past because I love Capaldi and I... Uh, it, no, he, he hasn't gone yet. All good. Uh, so fantastic that B001 was the Capaldi nomination, like the reveal episode i had totally forgotten about that i remember that day so well it's like some of those things that just happen that you know exactly where you were when it you know when it took place Uh, for me it was sitting on my couch in my shitty studio in archway chain smoking with flapjack and not having a (laughs) single clue who peter cavalli was there is a picture of that on the who back when website i have just put it in the chat oh really oh really (laughs) i can't believe you started this podcast when you were 13 and now you're 50 oh wow it looks like I'm the juvenile head growing out of Flapjack's shoulder. Uh, interesting. Oh, um, the, the Zaphod Beeblebrocks. Exactly. Surgical edition. Exactly. Oh, what an honor. Yeah. Uh, what about you two? How does it feel to have traversed the magical rainbow of Capaldi? To have, to have scaled that golden bridge. Uh, no, wait. No, hang on. Oh, traverse the bridge and scale the... Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Do you know, I've, I find it tricky because we are moving into the current Doctor. Yeah. I feel like there's more riding on this transition than there is usually. Like, I don't usually have to say, oh, I miss the this Doctor so, so much. 
and then the obvious dot 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 end of the sentences because I don't enjoy the current one as much. But There's usually a little bit of padding in the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. There's like a buffer. Saying this, knowing that we don't actually have that many episodes of the 13th Doctor left to go, as in to, to air, before we get a 14th one, but doesn't it feel like we as a podcast, we've matured a little bit, because now we're about to review because the It's a really nice Doctor. point to be at, and I can't help but be like super duper excited. I feel like I've been, we've been waiting for this time to come for so, so long. Um, and in fact, um, you, you know my dad's like our like biggest fan, um, and he literally messaged me, or he rang me off after the, the last hmm. um, episode Certainly we dropped, and he was like, you finally reviewed the current Doctor! And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you've done one in order! Like the new who, <laughs> the doctor, and he was talking about that like last two minute <laughs> clip of Jodie at the end. Um, but like the the next episode will be oh, like a momentous occasion. <laughs> like yeah, so I'm excited for that yeah. reason. But I am yes, sad to, to say goodbye to Capaldi. Well, let's really pour one out for the guy and uh, spend an evening talking him up and perhaps talking bits of him down. Who knows? Oh, that sounds like something very different. That sounds like we the would be the uh, <laughs> like the baseball match <laughs> that he thinks about when he gets too excited. What do you want to start? Baseball matches can be thrilling. What are you on about? <laughs> Well, shouldn't we start by bigging him up? Let's talk about some of our favourite episodes of his. Oh, yes, please. I'm very curious to see if the episodes that we list as our favourite episodes are going to tally with what we ranked the highest. I mean, spoiler alert, mine absolutely did. Oh, really? I looked at oh, those I ratings exactly and thought, <laughs> I looked at those ratings and thought, wow, I thought I was drunker. But, but my judgement was unerring. Okay, well, in that case, I'm very curious to see what you have to say about your lowest rated episode as well. But yeah, uh, what are your favourites? <laughs> and well, why? It would be churlish for me to exclude any of them that score over 4.5. So I have a rather a roster of favourites. They are Flatline, The Magician's mm-hmm. Apprentice, Listen, The Caretaker, Heaven Sent, Knock Knock, starring Sir David Suchet. Yes. Oh, congratulations, Sir David. Yes, indeed, Sir David. Well done. (laughs) Do come on the show. (laughs) Tell us what you think of the upcoming Poirot film. And Oxygen. Oxygen. Oh, you know what? I didn't think about Oxygen. That's such a good one. That's a really, really good one. Isn't it, though? What a great suggestion. What a fantastic (laughs) list. What a discerning intellect. What judicious choices. Ah, interesting. And what I I like is... There's a range there. Flatline is its own weird adventure, which surely is what Doctor Who is about. The Magician's Apprentice is Capaldi taking on Davros. Listen is its even more insular, singular, fourth camera, fourth wall baiting thing. The caretaker is Capaldi being funny. Heaven Sent is just him on his own. Knock, knock. David Suchet, Oxygen, Dark as Balls. How many did you just list? I think seven. Seven. So, Capaldi the Capaldi Rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) You're like way into indigo at this point. I I love it. (laughs) Bordering on (laughs) grey. That's seven episodes. He did 42. I looked this up. He did 42 episodes, including specials. I can't name them all. That's just a Wikipedia <laughs> list. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but just to say that he did 42, including specials. He, uh, that's to compare with 28 with the 13th Doctor so far. And uh, he did four bonus mini episodes. And he appeared in one episode of Class. Oh, I didn't see that. I haven't finished Capaldi yet. There's oh. still more Capaldi out there. <laughs> 
Of the ones that you mentioned, I also had Flatline, Magician's Apprentice, and Listen. But I also added, oh, if I can find the thing. Uh, oh, sorry, Heaven Send as well. I also added Time Heists, which I don't know in hindsight if that's actually true. But I, I have very fond memories of that. I certainly have very fond memories of, of us just like sitting down to talk about it. Time Heist has you written all over it. Why? Because it's it's your fantasy, isn't it? Like, you are the the... Danny Ocean of the entire cosmos, just with charisma and brains and one twist that your antagonist hasn't yet thought of. You're one step ahead of them all the time, and they okay, mess now with that memory I... and all that, all that sort of thing. What you just did is the opposite of thinking about a baseball game for me. Like I'm gonna use that recording of you whenever I need to get excited. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly, and that's <laughs> the time heist blurb that you vaguely remember and you're like ah oh, but it's so good because your cock is hitting the underside of your jaw <laughs> as you're thinking about it marie you set the record time straight time good. heist yeah. yeah your nay yeah what's wrong with time yes. heist yes i'm not saying it's bad i gave it a three something i'm finding it on the list See, that's Marie, good. you gave it 4.3. I gave it 4.2. Yeah. yeah, Drew gave it 3.2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, Drew. Hey, have you met Marie? Here's my friend who agrees with me. Where is Capaldi at his, or the 12th Doctor, at his absolute best? Is it in historicals, let's say like robot, or pseudo-historicals, like Robot of Sherwood? Or I'm going <laughs> through the list to see if there's anything else that's really good in that sense. Empress of Mars. There you go. Okay, or like uh, The Girl Who Died, which is also sort of, it's set somewhere mm. in the in Earth's past, but there's Better. a little bit of alien shenanigans happening in the background. Or is it stuff on Earth? Zygon Invasion and Inversion. Also, by the way, super good double feature. Or Flatline or whatever. Let's not forget Thin Ice, the historical. Thin Ice? I forgot about Thin Ice. Punching a racist in the face. The thing is, is that Capaldi, at the start of his run was the very visual representation of the coldness of space like the PTSD thousand galaxy stare you get from just being completely hollowed out by the universe he was remote he was distant he was other words that are exact synonyms for those and yeah. then by the end of his run he had blossomed emotionally I suppose and so he could mix it more with humans and it was more fun seeing him on earth it was less of a poor fit oh but wait is that oh you're saying that's more fun to see him on earth because he's now acclimatized psychologically because wasn't there an element of fun of humor when he didn't fit in with humans getting was cue cards from clara getting uh whatever oh. that's like the example i've brought up a bajillion times but you know like isn't it kind of fun when he doesn't get it the cue cards really the cue cards you brought up the cue cards again Okay, I'll bring up another Doctor Who reference that I've brought up a bajillion times. The and that is discretion. <laughs> no. <laughs> the chase. Funnily, no. But oh, okay, I'm out. I was going to say Tom Baker. Tom Baker's Doctor, super duper alien. And, and what everyone... This is by no means just my opinion. This is, I think, possibly even a universal opinion. Tom Baker's Doctor was the most alien, the least human. And part of the appeal of seeing him interact with other humans is that he doesn't get it. It's like having Mork and Mindy, you know, like if, if Mork fit in perfectly, there wouldn't be a show. And Capaldi at the start did not fit in. He kind of didn't want to be there. He was just like, oh, why am I here? What the shit is going on? And why are these eyebrows here? Blah, 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 blah. 
there's a certain element of of joy to be taken from that contrast. Oh, definitely. I have a question, therefore, which mm-hmm. is, was Tom Baker alien in every way? Like, did he, instead of just not getting the emotional cues and when to take other people's feelings into consideration, for example, or not just be mentally totting up the uh, likely number of deaths and aiming for the lowest number with mm. zero compassion along the way, like Capaldi did in Into the Dalek uh, and Deep Breath. Was Tom no. Baker alien in a more holistic, rounded sense? Because that sounds really enjoyable, whereas what we got here was a cranky arsehole for yeah, a half I, I mean, a season, at least. You make a very good point, <laughs> Mr. Stanley. Yeah, they're, they're alien in very different ways, but also it's, it's sort of New Who versus Classic Who, where New Who dares to be a little grittier and classic who's alien is like i don't understand what it's more fish fingers and custard whereas capaldi is you know callous cold-hearted calculating all the curse sounds clever bingo oh i broke it yeah so that serves to explain why i didn't find it as fun as i might have done do you guys feel that there's a reasonable arc to his character, not meaning to be racist, the humanizing of the Twelfth Doctor, the coming to terms with his own moral qualities, going from not caring about humans as a species to caring about even individual human specimens. Children <laughs> included. Still don't get that. No, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, let's pick out some... Um... Unless we're talking about Children of Earth, another reference I've made a million times. (laughs) Going from, I mean, I can remember children appearing in Kill the Moon, and Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he lets the girl go up in the TARDIS, but it seems pretty begrudging and pretty weird. In the Forest of the Night, he's already softened a little bit. He's got slightly more of a rapport with the little girl who asks him for, I don't know, directions or where the magic glowy thing is. I don't know. A twinkle is emerging in him despite himself. And That's I've, true. And then, okay, I'm skipping right to the end because I don't know how, <laughs> how good a job I can do in making this hang together. But in The Doctor Falls, they give him a scene with a child that doesn't need to be in the show at all. It's completely, we mentioned it in our review. It's like, what is this doing there? He's He scatters the... Uh, battle pieces across the floor or something and we're like why is that there and i believe that that is there because it's supposed to be rounding something off like look how far he's come there's also child davros Mm, yes yes there is he loves children so much he can't even bear to throw davros into a handmine i'd forgotten about that that was so clever yeah well what's it but i loved it that like i can't see i can't remember if i enjoyed the episode or not but that (laughs) image just stuck with me and i feel like that's really cool that must be one of the Kodak moments of Peter Capaldi's run at this point. They're like battlefield. It's almost like a desert battlefield and all these hands just... Do they have... I feel like they have eyeballs in the palms. And oh. Yeah, I think so. Gross. Although, how handy. Hey, handy. But yeah, I don't think there's anything. Like, all of those things you've just listed, it's not like children are a massive theme. Like, for that to be his final, like, closing argument is like, children are our future. It just doesn't really ring true, I don't think. Oh, shit. I, Marie, thank you for finishing my argument for me better than I ever could have. Remembering that that's what he was doing lying on the floor of the TARDIS saying, and kids, they're the only ones who can hear my name. You know, I pretend to like adults, but what I really love when you get down to it, kids, kids are what make me tick. That's why I'm going <laughs> to keep going for the kids. Yeah, weird. Future. Super weird. Really weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I'll just say, in terms of the like, uh, kids are center stage argument, Drew, you brought up a, a, a few episodes, and among them were Kill the Moon, which was your lowest rated episode, and... A non-festive episode. Non-festive episode, non-festive. sorry. <laughs> because we need to talk about that as well. <laughs> which, by the way, your lowest rated episode overall also features a kid. It's the, mm-hmm. the Return of Dr. Mysterio. Oh, Yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, and you also brought up In the Forest of the Night, which yeah. is Marie's lowest rate. And my lowest... Uh, Marie, once again, we're, uh, we're our friends who agree with each other. In the Forest yeah. of the Night, our lowest rated episode. The Forest of the Night. Like, Clearly, some of these episodes, I look at them and I'm like, why did I rate it so low or so high? Like, I don't remember it like, at the you, time what I was you, thinking. But that one, I look back that? and I'm like... No, I do not regret that. I should have gone lower. Like all I remember is that stupid, irritating tile just running around, getting lost, and like, no. Well, I was going to use that as a very clever segue to take us to the um, our least favorite episodes, the Forest of the Night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the care. We were talking about the caretaker. That's with the little baby, isn't it? Stormageddon. And no, no, no Stormageddon is isn't it closing time from Matt Smith uh, with Fatty James Corden. No, I don't remember Stormageddon. What's Stormageddon? Stormageddon the is baby. the baby because Matt oh, Smith's yeah. baby. Oh yeah, of course. I, I do remember think, the rest of the because it was though. like. Um, like only children know my name, and then he'd—I wondered if it was him that had <gasps> learnt Stormageddon's name. But that was must have been Matt Smith then. Yeah. No. Okay. As I recall, I really liked that episode. That's also weirdly one of those episodes. Sorry, this is a tangent away from Capaldi, but that's one of those episodes that, for some reason, the website, whenever it goes, I have to actively deselect it because every time we post an episode, um, our web- website calculates that. Oh, if you like this episode, you'll also like that one, the Stormageddon one. It's always Stormageddon. (laughs) Someone at Blueberry has a (laughs) favourite. Now, Caretaker, we gave pretty high marks, actually. Yeah, and were it not Mm. for the Scovox Blitzer, we'd have given it wall-to-wall acclaim. Yeah. So, like, thinking about Capaldi, there's a lot of episodes that I didn't rate as highly as I could have, and generally the reason is that something was shitty with the plot, or there was a, like... I don't know, it's like a different reason. Like, it's never Capaldi's fault. He's always, like, just been amazing. So I feel like if we were rating it just on Capaldi alone, they'd all be, like, 4.5 and above. So what makes him amazing? Just his, like, passion and drive and, but, like, I don't know. I, so, because I, I, I have a terrible memory and I was thinking about how to, I don't know how to approach this. And so just before we watched, just before we started recording, we watched, like, a the BBC has made, like, a Best of Capaldi, like, um, episode. Episode, and it's just like little clips from all the series and I was just watching it going oh my god like he's just the best ever and <laughs> like and every little clip he was just like phenomenal and I know it's like they're picking and choosing the best ones some of the episodes it was like I know that I didn't rate that episode that highly but it wasn't because of him it's never because of him it's always something else I think I'm with you on that I think maybe to a certain degree we started taking what well, I certainly started taking Capaldi for granted. Like there's this, mm, yeah. there's an element of almost guaranteed quality to his episodes. But then it also helps mm. that he has some really well written episodes. Mm. Yeah, and even at the beginning, the ones I don't like because of the tone that he that was his brief. He is fulfilling the brief immaculately. Yeah, he is the perfect bell end in <laughs> deep breath. <laughs> 
and into the Dalek because he has to start from a place where the audience is unsettled and maybe that was part of Moffat's grand plan to get us to love him so much more by the end and want to keep journeying with him on his trajectory because he isn't static. Well, do you remember when he... uh, I'm sorry to interpolate, but do you remember when we had that B001 episode when he was revealed... He shows up clutching his lapels a la uh, Hartnell. A la Bumbley, Mr. Magoo. Exactly. He was exactly the same age as Hartnell, and he was, all of a sudden, in contrast to Matt Smith, he was really curmudgeon. Is his arc... I mean, it's fantastic that his series is then bookended with Hartnell in that he meets the first Doctor at the very end. But do you think his... uh, Are are he and the first Doctor almost on a Doctor and River Song-esque opposite trajectory across the character arc? You know, like he starts as the first Doctor and then he culminates as a full person where he encounters the first doctor who is about to start on his arc because i mean i feel like that kind of explains or justifies why he was an asshole in deep breath but i think i just think i prefer him as an asshole as well like yes i know he does soften and everything but i don't and but then i don't know how much of it is because of the writing and the companions and stuff like he did have like such good chemistry with like clara and missy and like some of the earlier episodes and then it just when we come to the last series i know he's not like now he's nice and living in the real world but i don't think they're my favorite Oh, are you, are you saying his chemistry with Bill wasn't as good or as thrilling? <laughs> oh, lawyer. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's not as memorable. I just feel like that's where the writing kind of let them down. And it, like, like seeing these like clips of like early episodes, I got super excited and I was like, this is why I love Capaldi. And then I just don't know if I felt that way for a while. Okay. Goodness. Mm. Well, I, I have heard it said people rediscover series 10 and like, oh, I completely forgot about this one and it's great. But then I think perhaps it's a series that you just forget and watch mm. again and it's like, it's enjoyable to watch. But whether it's because they didn't give Bill a second series or they it tailed off a bit and didn't stick the landing with the twice upon a time, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't crescendo. Hmm. In a way that will be like, that leaves you th- feeling, yes, yes, this was entirely worthwhile. I will watch this many times again. I mean, there's a huge chunk in the middle of season 10. I'm just looking at the list of episodes there. There's a huge chunk in the middle of season 10 that is very forgettable. Mm. You're talking about the pyramid at the end of the world, the lie of the land, yeah. the empress of Mars, the eaters of light. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A solid third. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I know it's not a bad episode, but I'm, I kind of feel like Smile is... You know what? Actually, wait, we didn't give that huge ratings. I gave it a way higher rating than both no. of you. But like, Smile is not a super memorable, great episode. It's, like, it's not an episode that you get as a postcard and send to your fam. To go like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> look what I just saw. No, it's just not the case. Yeah, It's a poor relation of the girl who waited. <laughs> mm. Which again, I, I have no idea how I rated it, but I remember it so fondly. Like, oh, really? if I had to rate it now blind, I would give it like a four point five or something. And I have no idea if it stands up to that. But yeah, but the impression it left on me is really good. Whereas, yeah, smile. It was like, oh, sure, it's fine. Well, it I'm gonna really find mean. out what we rated that, Marie. <laughs> Uh, here we go. The I girl who lower. waited. <laughs> Ooh, wee. well, that was a bit of a favorite. Marie, you gave it four point four. Drew, four point yes. oh. I gave it four point three. Jim was on that one as well. He gave it three point nine. Oh. 
Haters got to hate. I've been, <laughs> I've been meaning to bring up Jim uh-huh. because oh, yeah. Jim has a favorite episode from the Capaldi run. He reviewed a few, mm-hmm. and it's one that Marie wasn't on. Mm. Oh yeah, so I, I wonder if Marie, head. you agree? I wonder if you agree with Jim giving a four point seven to Clara's first farewell in Face the Raven. Well, I mean, of course I would. Like, it's Clara's goodbye episode. What else are we going to give it? Yeah, again, like, I can't remember the details of this episode specifically, especially because it's a two-parter. Or is it even a three-parter? Endless arguments. Doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like the atmosphere of it and the emotion and the, you know, saying goodbye to Clara. Like, I don't know, all of it is just wrapped up in my head that I would score all those episodes really highly, actually. Who's your favourite, Clara? Or I mean, Bill? I know I gave a I gave a four point nine to Heaven Sent, but oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh my god! So maybe I can't score that one higher, but I would probably all score them all higher in my head now than I would do like objectively looking at them and trying to pick apart like things that went wrong. So there's an element of oh, is this is this what's going to be known as the reverse Whitaker? Like thinking back onto Capaldi episodes, we all want to rate them higher, whereas at least I, thinking back to Whitaker episodes, I kind of want to rate them lower than undoubtedly I will rate. Them when we actually review them. Let's hope. Mm. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So Clara versus Bill, cage match. Oh, I mean, it's no contest, is it? Like, I'm sorry. I love you, Bill, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not worth wasting another word on. <laughs> but he's not, not even going to finish this <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I love you, Bill, but mic drop. And that mic is oh, called okay. Syntax. <laughs> but I, um, I watched the like opening, like Capaldi's regeneration, like Matt Smith's regeneration into Capaldi and this whole scene where he doesn't have a clue who Clara is. He's like mixing up her and Strax and like she's devastated and it's really like hard to watch and they've been through everything and then he just doesn't know who she is. And oh, yeah. it's like really well done. Yeah. And this is, this is five seconds after he has confidently, with a little shake of his head, said, I'll never forget one single second of when I was <laughs> made, or whatever it was. <laughs> I love you. Who the fuck are you? Get out of my TARDIS. Strax. Yeah. <laughs> nice makeup, potato. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, when I shouted over you earlier, you were going to say World Enough and Time as well, I think, because you gave that a 4.9. I did. Yeah. And I've noticed a thing about the episodes you rate super, super high. Oh. Have they all got Clara in them? (laughs) No, they haven't all got Clara in them, but they have all got extreme emotion in them. I mean, Doctor Who tends to extremities of emotion being tragedy and distress, like Capaldi punching his way through Asbantium for five billion years while the universe deforms around him. And Van Gogh, let's not forget Van Gogh. <laughs> Look, in See, the future, I'm... everybody loves you, you nut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Don't make me cry, Dream. And, <laughs> and World Enough and Time, Bill has to wait 10 years and misses out on Capaldi by mere seconds. I waited for you. And Marie's like, oh, this is going right up to the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You see right through me, Drew. <laughs> but then I really hated the part two as well. The Doctor Falls. I won't give a 2.8. I think that that is what you said earlier about it's the script falling apart around mm. what looks like a strong core. Like none of it makes sense. The, the tiny mm. whiny conceit starts to fall apart. Why is Nardole running up another floor? Why is the Doctor incinerating everybody but not Bill? There's a whole 
hour and three quarters of us just saying this doesn't work this is shoehorned in this is made to fit yeah have we not also established that in all of his two part in, well, sorry in most of his two parters at the very least part two just doesn't hold up for some reason all the oomph gets exhausted mm. in part one i'm looking like dark water uh marie you gave that 4.4 death in heaven 1.8 um, similar ratings from, from, uh, drew 3.1, 1. 1.8, 3.0, 2.1 for me. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Maybe. Med- Wait, can I just say Cyborg that death in heaven thing. was rubbish. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was. was the cyber brig. Yeah. And Danny blasting off into the sun. Who, who among us? Just no. Oh, you know what? A heart big enough. I'm only like- podcast land. <laughs> I'm looking at our ratings. Actually, you know what? I kind of retract what I said before. Zion Invasion and Inversion, very similar ratings. Uh, mm. Oh, Marie, you were not on Zion Inversion. You weren't on part two. Jim joined us for that one. Um, oh, See, yeah. What other double episodes are there? Um, just going back to where P shoots up into the sky and yeah, that's the one. The clouds. Yeah, what's that called? Death in Heaven. You, that's the one we yeah. all scored really low, and I only scored a 1.8 and therefore must have really hated it. But yeah, look, like just watching, there was a clip of Capaldi and Missy and this whole like, am I a good man? And then he eventually like decides that he, you know, he doesn't want an army and he throws the thing to Danny and then Danny saves the day. And like this just like two minute clip, I was like, this is the best episode I've ever seen. Like this is phenomenal. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> like taking stuff out of context. That's what I mean. It's like, I actually look back on that episode now. And I'm like, but it was good. Like, why wasn't it good? And I can't remember why I hated it so much. Um, I mean, I can think of a, a few reasons why that was not a good episode. But I, I think in general, people just need to listen to our review of it. Ourselves <laughs> exactly. included. They just, <laughs> they just need to keep sharing the memeable content because that's all that matters. And just forget the rest happened. All of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Zygon inversion slash invasion... That's a super good, like, double parter. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my statement before is just entirely untrue. Well, well, let's skip sideways then, because Marie mentioned someone mm-hmm. who is very good. Oh. And basically defines Capaldi's run. Oh. From beginning to end. Ooh. Sorry, I'm making noises. Who's that? And makes it super Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> who on earth might you be referring to, Drew? Marie, have you not got it? What, Missy? Missy! Of course, Missy! Missy! Of course, it's Missy! Um, Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, just like, I love, I love Capaldi and Missy together. I love their dynamics. And, but again, I prefer it in the beginning when they're like fighting. I don't know if I am loving it as much when she's like supposedly turned good. Like, in the fight, is it like the last episode with Missy? Oh, when she is with, uh, what's his face, John Sim Master. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I was just like, I'm not here for this. But earlier on, when she's like, I just want my friend back, and like she's teasing him and taunting him and like being the best baddie ever, like I'm there for that. Oh, she's so flipping badass. I absolutely yeah. adore this version of the Master. Oh my God, me too. Can I, I think it's my favorite. Give a call back to Leon talking about how alien Tom Baker was. Oh, mm. that Missy at the beginning of World enough and time pretending to be the doctor with her two companions thing one and the other yes. one that is fun <laughs> alien yes right exactly there. exactly yeah. but Absolutely. also i mean I, i'm i'm i think i might be with you on this one marie like the, the really 
insidious, evil Missy. The Missy that really doesn't care if mankind dies. Where, you know, what is the episode? Is it in the Zygon double feature where she's in, I want to say some little town somewhere in Italy or somewhere. I can't remember where it is. She stops the airplane. I think you're thinking of the beginning beginning of the magician's apprentice. Ah, there we go. She's so callous. She doesn't. She's just like she kills a couple of secret agents, and she's just fucking superior to everyone. Such an evil genius. What's her name again? I've forgotten her name. Michelle Gomez. Michelle Gomez. I wanted to say Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Gomez knocks it out of the park. Third time I'm making and the, a reference. And she's baseball. another. She's another one who like the acting quality is always up here. Yes. Like I've never have a problem with her as an actress. It's always like if ever I'm not a fan of Missy, it's because they've messed up the script or done something else. Um, yeah. But she's just phenomenal. I could watch her all day. And undoubtedly the best part of the Cyberman double feature as well. I mean, like the double feature that like just minutes ago we slated. <laughs> Michelle Gomez is fabulous in this. Yeah, when she's yeah, asking about in Doc Force One and oh yeah, I've got about charming that. her way off the ship while killing people left, right, and center. Ship, I mean airplane. These actors, they give it their all. Even the substandard mediocre lines, they never half-arse it. They are always fully committed, and they're just like, this is the best I could do. They do the best they can do with the material, and their talents are mighty. Yeah. And it just serves to show up a crappy line. I mean, Missy is also the villain in Capaldi's entire run. I had a, maybe like two minutes of thinking about like what other villains has he encountered? Proper villains, not just villain of the week, but like villains that span at least a few episodes. And the only ones I could think of were Missy, the monks, as in the Lion of the Land, etc., etc. Me, yeah. What, what's her name? I've forgotten her name. Whatever her name is, a shielder. Thank you, a shielder. Oh, um, and yeah. uh, that's it. That's oh. it, ladies and gents. Nothing else. <laughs> the ones that come mm. back. Yeah, I mean, you have a double feature with Davros, and you have Cybermen, always more Cybermen. Oh, that's true, yeah. Well, how many Davros episodes do we get? Well, two episodes with Davros? Yeah, yeah. Not enough Not is enough. the answer. Not Never enough. enough. We have more I don't understand. Davros. Did you say we have more Daleks than we have Davros? More monks than we have Davros. More monks? Than, oh, that's even worse. What I was going to say was Daleks really are super synonymous with Doctor Who more than ever before. Like, they turn up just for background sometimes, just to be the third race that gets genocided in the Flux, for instance. Like, we've got the Suntarans, we've got the Cybermen. Hey, we can't have a party without the Daleks, right? And they get genocided, and they're barely there at all. And they're there for every special. Never been more Dalek-y. And yet, where's Davros? We get Davros once a decade. Yeah. We need more Davros! Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, sprinkle some Davros, like Salt Bay, over the seasons of Doctor Who. <laughs> Davros me, buddy. Yeah. RTD, if you're listening, if you're bringing back tenants and Catherine Tate, have them both go against Davros. <laughs> whoever, whoever, I don't care. Oh, speaking of Catherine Tate, um, and you also, you've also brought up me um, just now as well, yeah. um, that is a wonderful moment. Well, we ha- first of all we have the whole like who frowned with his face, which is like the best opening and like the oh yeah, just the best introduction to a doctor and the opening line I will never forget. Yeah, and then it comes back and you think it's just a you know just a casual remark, and then I don't know how many episodes later it comes back and it becomes relevant. And Donna's there begging him to save one person, and that's why he saves me is because of this connection to the fires of Pompeii. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to give Donna what she asked for. And he completely messed with life and death. And Leon was like, there are too many Eternals in the Doctor Who universe now. People who cannot die. And it's all because of Donna Noble. And there are. And I like, I agree. And I think we talk, you know, we talked about me, whether she's a problematic character, whether we like her or not. But I can't fault that scene is amazing. And it just ties everything in together. And it's, yeah, so beautifully done. I agree. But I maintain I that me should be a giant head. What? what? <laughs> why should she be a why, why is me not just like the face of Bo? Why, me yeah, lives forever me. after a certain... We've Doctor Who has taught us this. If you're old enough, you turn into just a giant head. I'm not convinced that that's what happens. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what... Wait, why? Wait, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Time out from Capaldi's perspective. Was... Why is the face of Bo the face of Bo? Why is he not the because body of Captain Because he was like Jack? mutated. He kept dying and being revived and dying and being revived. Like he was killing himself every five seconds. And then his body mutated, probably. Probably. Oh. Me, me's oh. a bit more careful. Well, Mar- Interesting. <laughs> me isn't just more careful, but she has an inbuilt reset, reset. device. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whereas Jack's wait. atoms have to recoagulate and they're all infested with radiation. And they're all and- located in his head. And that's yeah. that's why that's why he turns into a giant face. It was the that body's or a giant just phallus. Wait, preserving what? the most important organs. Exactly. <laughs> What, what, like his spleen is now inside his cranium. Like, oh, his heart is behind his medulla. You don't need a spleen when you're only a head. That's my point. Okay, uh, question. Why is he the face of Bo and not the head of Bo? Yeah. No one ever sees around the back. There's a curtain Mm. tastefully covering over (laughs) the horrors that lurk within. (laughs) The the bald spot. (laughs) The the, the crown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if this gets, if word gets back to the people on the Bow Bowshane Peninsula or whatever the frick it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I've gone bald. Oh no, their little hearts will be crushed. <laughs> so, a face of Bow is a really fun, great, and or terrible alien. Uh, what a segue! <laughs> <laughs> great and or terrible segue. <laughs> What uh, great and or terrible aliens do we encounter in the Capaldi run that we desperately want to name check in this bonus episode? Didn't you say you had a list? I do have. Well, I've got I've got my list. Yeah, I've got three good ones and three bad ones. I don't know if they're the three best and three worst, but they are the ones that sprang to mind. I should say I didn't even go through the episodes on whobackwhen.com. Like I, I just went, this is some shit. Sometimes good shit. Well, go on then. List us. Okay, okay. Okay. Please. <laughs> All right, I'll start with the best, or the good aliens, I'll say that. The good aliens. The flatline creatures, I'm sure they had the a name. The boneless. The boneless, yes, that's right. Oh, well done. Mm. They're just flatline dudes in my notes. Because they're so different, and the way that they interact with, with everything else in the episode, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Very, very cool. I have the creepy blanket monster in Listen. Oh, that one doesn't even yes. exist. I know, but it's so creepy. <laughs> oh, creepy, right? Yes, exactly. And then also yeah. creepy. I think all of my good aliens are just creepy aliens. Uh, in fact, this doesn't even count as an alien, but something that they encounter, name, and I'm sure there's a real name for this, but I couldn't think of it. The time ghosts that we see under the lake and before the flood. Do you remember how like, oh, in Under the Lake it ends with even Capaldi? Like, anyone who dies in the future returns as a ghost. Like they have hollowed out eye sockets and oh, yeah. we can see these hovering there spectrally exactly oh yeah because holy smokes so creepy and so mm. i mean it seems maybe a little gimmicky at first but then they deploy that as such a clever plot twist at the end of part one that it's just like oh yes 
I love this double feature. Great, great stuff. Who are some other good aliens? I hear the audience clamoring. I really like the guys in the first episode that were like the clockwork. Are they? Were they? <gasps> oh, the clockwork guy. Yes. What is it? Deep breath. And they're like harvesting body parts or something. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, but they, but they look really cool. And I love that episode. Oh, yeah. He is. Uh, there's just the one, right? I think there's just the one dude. Really yeah, creepy and then, dude. It's the half-face man. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends up being really sad. And he has to like jump out of the hot air balloon or something. Yeah. That's made of humans, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An, an, a hot air balloon made of human skin or something. Uh, gross. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. uh, like, it is super duper creepy. <laughs> um, yeah. Why did I have soup for I dinner? Uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a solid alien. Mm. Drew, Pong Her Ping. Well, you mentioned a lot of my favorites as well. Ew. The Boneless. Nice. Um... I mean, the Fisher King, if he'd been, oh, he had flaws, but he had potential. He had menace. The guy in Under the Lake. Yeah, yeah, the really tall dude. Yeah, I mean, this is a whole collection of nice, menacing aliens. Uh, Well, and ghosts and spooks and things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. How how do you feel about, I need to remember what the guy's name was. Oh, God, he had like a spoof TV show in uh, Under the Lake Before the Flood, possibly just before the floods. There is, is Peter Serafinovich? No, there's like a mouse creature. I think he's the, the mortician. He's the dude who's like organizing the actual burial of the Fisher King. Oh. Do you remember yeah. this? Is he one Fish. of the... Actually, you know what? I think... Paul Kay. Paul K. Yes, thank you. Yes, Paul K. I think he's... If memory serves, he's the same species that we encounter in... I think it's a Matt Smith episode in the like hotel with the minotaur that runs around. With David Williams. That's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like the mouse people or something that always surrender their planet. Maybe mice. Maybe they're not mice. Maybe they're something else. Rodent dudes who, on their planets, they have signs that say, uh, welcome, it's all yours, or something like that. <laughs> if... Uh... If you conquered here, you'd be home already. Something like that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say that the monks for the first two episodes were on their way. Yeah, good call. And then when they were muted because they had to lose, it's a shame. It's a shame that they did. Or No, it's not a shame that they lost, but, you know, it's a shame that they lost in the way that they did. That's that could have been really powerful. Triple episodes was Doctor Who in the Capaldi era trying to do political commentary. How did that how did that work out? Well it did great when they combined it with a beautiful cacophony of sci-fi terror yeah. in extremis. And then it just gradually got more and more political and rote and trite and done before. And the more it just reverted to the norm, regressed to the mean, the more disappointing it was, the quicker you wished it was over, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's why I rated that one a 1.0. You guys were like, ah, oh, take it on its own terms. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> they've ruined the previous hours. They've wasted so many weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I'm looking yeah, at our ratings now. <laughs> so the monks are both up there as the best and some of the worst. That's right. <laughs> All in one go. Can I nominate another worst? Please do. It's every other Time Lord except Missy. (laughs) Oh, interesting. I think the return Mm. of Gallifrey in general is so mishandled 
throughout Smith's run and Capaldi's run, there's been so much angst expended over the question of, is Gallifrey gone forever? How could it survive? When it comes back, what's it going to be? And then when it did come back, it was nothing special. There was like a barn and the same old conference room from 40 years ago, but updated a bit. And the same cast of a half a dozen, one of whom's a bastard and the others just (laughs) stand there ineffectually. And it's like, no, do so much more with it. Well, yeah, but we get to see the actual Citadel as well. There's lots of cool stuff in... I've I've made a note of that. The Citadel is always trotted out and spun around three-dimensionally with such relish by the VFX guys. It's like, here's a city, here's a planet. <laughs> Isn't there other... let's shrink the scale back down to the room. Isn't there other cool stuff that we get to see there, though? That we get to see the, um, the database or something, the server room in the basement, and... Uh, I, I, yeah, am I right? The cemetery of so. the Time Lords, the hell of the time lords oh, that's the, of the time lords <laughs> i like that that's i mean, I, I love this as a reference I, I i've not got gallifreyans anywhere in my note that's a very good point the luigi's haunted mansion of the time lords i love gallifreyan stuff and i really really enjoy being in the citadel in classic who when we get to see the crazy <laughs> politics of the place and we never get to see that sufficiently not to my not to my liking in new who with any doctor so far like it's always just oh there's uh, rassilon he's in a boardroom and he is grumpy all right great or it's gallifrey it's mid war or it's gallifrey post war that's all we get we never get to see senate debates and lots of clearly roman references <laughs> up to the gills in new who and i really miss that there's so much subterfuge and conspiracy shit going on on, on gallifrey <laughs> that i really want rtd to explore that i want doctor who to return to so i would very happily see a return to doctor who. i kind of agree with you i feel like it hasn't been super creative in the way that New Who has portrayed uh, Gallifrey, and perhaps particularly in uh, the Capaldi era. Maybe since the 50th anniversary. In the 50th anniversary, we got to see a little bit more of the goings-on. A little bit. I, I see what you're saying, though. You're saying that a Gallifreyan kid, Time Lord kid, in a war zone is any kid in a war zone. Yeah. They're ducking, they're scared, they're running for cover. Rassilon is like any dictator. Yeah, except he's um, always the same bloody dictator. Yeah, and all the Doctor has to do is stand up to him and he flees and we're not even told what happened to him the last time he fucked off abruptly. So, yeah, there's a broader point here. Just be more imaginative with Gallifrey. Like, don't have it so paper thin. I would love for someone to give it the treatment. Dude, imagine I, Claudius, but with gigantic collar cones. Well, I got a hint of that when I saw The Five Doctors. So, sure, I would love for half a series, a series arc, you know, maybe bookended or here and there the Doctor is fleeing and they're stealing him or her back or them. And at intervals they escape again and it just... Oh, that is some good stuff. What are some other terrible aliens, Leon? (laughs) Scorewalks Blitzer, thanks for asking. (laughs) Yes! The Scorewalks Blitzer can... And I mean this in a bad way. Eat my ass. It is so terrible. We have, since the Skullbox Blitzer and leading up to the Skullbox Blitzer, met so many more enthralling, threatening, interesting, multifaceted, insidiously clever 
aliens or soldiers from outer space or uh, robots from outer space. You get the Skovox Blitzer that just like walks around like a fucking Lego Technic thing from the 90s. It's just like, that's the most terrifying robot soldier there ever was. Fuck you, Daleks. Skovox Blitzer is where it's at. Yeah, you said it can eat your ass. I think if it tried, it would fail. Yeah, it would fail. Do you remember the dude in Silver Spandex who jumps around and dematerializes in The Five Doctors? They're like robot... Oh, uh, Marie, you haven't seen the serial. Or maybe you watched it with Jim. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. This is the best alien robot there ever was. This is what the Scorebox Blitzer should have been. It's just a dude in silver, head-to-toe silver spandex. He, like, he jumps up, cuts out, like dematerializes flashes back in somewhere else and throws a knife at people and that's all he does he decapitates cybermen yeah like he's a coconut shy just knock 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 heads hitting the floor left right and center he could fire lasers but no he chooses a more personal approach a more intimate approach (laughs) he takes some sort of weird bone dagger and just jabs it into a cyberman and then dematerializes it's insane. Whereas the Skovox Blitzer has six legs, can't fit through a door frame, and is the loudest thing there ever was. It's terrible. I mean, doesn't the Skovox Blitzer kill precisely one person? It's like an unsuspecting postman who's caught out in the dark, like, at the beginning. Uh, That's the only reason. The element of surprise Yeah, maybe. And slowness. I think this guy is middle-aged. P.E. <sighs> does a somersault over it oh, and bests it. <laughs> Oh, we talked about companions, but we didn't talk about Danny Pink. Oh. Because we talk about who is better, Clara or Bill, but Danny Pink is there for a whole episode. That's true. A whole, whole series. A whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> and more. He's back at Christmas. And actually, that was where he was best, wasn't it? When he was a dream at Christmas. As Who Back When's number one Clara fanatic, Marie... How do you feel about the object of Clara's number one fanaticism, Danny Pink? I think that Danny Pink doesn't deserve all the hate he gets. I think he's not. Oh. It's, it's, again, I remember him as being super annoying and I want to hate him. But then I also remember going back through it and watching them again and being like, oh, he's not as bad as I yeah. pictured. And then as soon as the episode's over, I forget that and I go back to hating him. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think you give yourself a bit more credit, Marie. Week after week, indeed, we were like, oh, Danny Pink is still not self-punching in the facely annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Rearrange those words into a sentence podcast, but you get my drift. But then it's it's when the season finale comes along and Moffat drops the ball and we 1.8 death in heaven because Danny is at his worst when he just when he needs to be at his best and the whole sour taste is like oh what was the point of all this and that's what taints it for us yeah I think that's feel it. A little if it ends on a low note then it taints the whole thing how would you have felt if Danny Pink had showed up as a glass av- avatar in uh, whatever it was called in the finale. Yeah. In Capaldi's finale. Yeah, yeah, the Doctor Falls or whatever. Gone, who are you, Danny Pink? And if he shows up as a from my mind. I'm sorry, you <laughs> just now. So, I mean, Clara's there. Do, would, do you... Wait, no, Clara... Wait, wait, I got... Do you think Danny Pink would be Danny Pink? Or would he be Cyber Danny in the process of exploding? Because they've picked him out of time just right before he technically dies. <laughs> oh, dear. 
They're He'd shape be Danny shifters. Pink with the stretched face and the, the cyber oh. helmet on. Oh, for no. eternity. That would be so cruel. Oh, no. Puffy purple Danny Pink. Oh, no. Oof, my loaf. Now, that's the thing we didn't even think about in that episode. Most people don't die in heroic you know, tragic accidents when they're in the prime of life. Most people are really old and really ill. And so you're just bringing back glass people that are just on the brink of death is just going to be a lot of really ill people. Yeah, but actually the the whole shapeshift, I didn't think about this, but the shapeshifter argument is a good argument because Bill, for example, shows up as Bill. She doesn't show up as Cyber Bill. So potentially Danny Pink would have shown up as Danny Pink, young Danny Pink. And maybe it's, I mean, the whole glass avatar thing, I, I can't remember if we discussed this in our review of the episode but the glass avatar thing seems like more of a favor to the people who summon the glass avatars than it is to the people who have been turned into glass avatars so if the lasting memory of a particular individual that you want to summon is the younger more vivacious version of someone rather than the oh yeah here's someone on their you know on their deathbed in their hundreds however old you get to be in the future you know yeah bitter full of regret Exactly. Finally, finally welcoming voting for Brexit after Brexit. Like, <laughs> yeah, like like their eyes are closing and they're like, finally, <laughs> it's all over. What? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> it's like the Darth Vader thing. Even in the original trilogy cut, like in the original cinematic cut, it's not Darth Vader who shows up. It's the fully human version that shows up in the afterlife. Well, I mean, I can't think of anyone who looks like more than Danny pink <laughs> cyber danny pink yeah yes. gray this is super good reference mutilated <laughs> exactly so which other companions do we get we've talked about clara bill danny we have nardole yeah where did people land on nardole i went through see, a process I freaking like not i really really like nardole you do? Oh, sorry, Marie. see again i remember certain episodes being like oh yeah nardole's coming into his own he's actually not that annoying but i look back on it and all i think is like oh nardole like Really? Yeah. He's really annoying. Uh, uh, I'm a fan. I enjoy Nardole. Proud of it. Where my Nardi is at, lots of people in uh, podcast land are into Nardole, I'm sure. It's me, Nardi! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean, Marie. It's, it's very easy to think, oh, why was he given all that screen time? What did he do with it? He just said, I'm allowed to kick your ass over and over and over again. Okay, and further he is in funny. the He's a funny man, Matt Lucas. He has some good comedy lines. But yeah, yeah. I think what does the role of Nardole achieve? You know what I think it is? I, I think it's blooming final double header time all over again ruining it for us because in that nardole was expected to transcend his comic sidekick status and take on some dramatics and lead the kids to safety and be a hero and stand toe-to-toe with capaldi in a farewell scene and for me no 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 who can not Matt Lucas. Sorry, Matt Lucas. You're hilarious, but that's not your wheelhouse. <laughs> Just comic relief. So the only other companion I've noted down is River. <gasps> oh, it was nice to see River again. Nobody expected it. Right? I know. And do you remember when River comes in and the Doctor gets to walk into the TARDIS and be like, 
hey and like pretend he doesn't know because she doesn't know who he is or something i can't remember the setup of it but and he gets to do the whole like oh it's bigger on the inside line that's so good that's what is that that's the husband's a river song it's so good oh my goodness i'm gonna miss capaldi so much he's so terrific in that scene you know what word popped into my mind uh okay wait hang on uh marie let's guess which word uh drew don't tell us cucumber wait what about about (laughs) (laughs) about capaldi Okay. Oh, acting. Okay. Uh, cucumber. No. Um, <laughs> More eggplant territory. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you to spare several hours of editing. Mushroom. Yeah. Majestic. 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 Yeah. Like majestic wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a slightly more elevated sort of register, but sure. <laughs> You, you really like to drink in his performance and he always mm. brings a multi-pack of talent. I don't know where I'm going with it. He's the real deal. But you talk about prior doctors. That's not an adjective I can give to Matt Smith. Capable, yes. Enthralling, certainly. Majestic, no. Capaldi, majestic. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, were this medieval times and he ruled, you know, I were part of his fiefdom, I would pledge him my allegiance. I would follow him into battle. Oh, man. Peter Capaldi. Not even latter-day tenant. Mopey old tenant? When he's got a little bit more gravitas, when he isn't just, you know, he, he isn't too bouncy, he's not too... Yeah, lovey-dovey with Rose. He's just like, fuck everyone. I am the doctor. I am struggling to locate this doctor you're describing in any of the episodes I've seen. <laughs> this, this might be something that just exists in my head. I may need to revisit our Tennant retrospective. Your head and the millions of lonely housewives for whom David Tennant will forever be their favourite. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Remember when he just whipped his dick out on the table and the dogs fled in terror? I don't remember that. (laughs) Maybe that's something we'll get to see with the 14th Doctor. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So companions. Oh, yeah. I, I mentioned this before you press the record. I also made a note of some companions of the week. Like, ancillary characters who show up for more than just one episode, but they're not quite companion level. Marie, you very rightly also, before you press the record, added Vastra and Jenny to that. We got Vastra and Jenny with Matt Smith as well, I think. We had Vastra and Jenny and Strax, the Paternoster gang. Paternoster gang, yeah. Once with Capaldi. Deep Breath was it. Oh, that was it. Interesting. Yeah, that was their swan song. And it didn't feel like their swan song. And I don't know why it was their swan song. Yeah, it was weird. Maybe we'll, so well, I was thinking it was we'll a nice transition. We got a new doctor, but we had all the, like, he was surrounded by the gang that we knew. So it yeah. kind of eased us into it. Yeah. Well, the other ones I wrote down were Riggsy, whom we encountered in Flatline and later on in, I want to say, Face the Raven. Mm. Yes. Courtney, Courtney Woods, who shows up in The Caretaker and is then inexplicably taken to the moon in Kill the Moon. (laughs) Is that another callback to Nicholas Courtney? Guys, let it go. Oh, maybe. Yeah, actually, that's a super good point. Maybe. When are we going to talk about Kegels? Kegels! I forgot about Kegels! I I totally forgot about Kegels. Oh, Kegels and... Oh, Oz, which, which Oswald? Oswin? Oz, Osgood. Osgood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah they were fun. Yeah. I liked when it was... Oh, I don't know. Did I like it? I'm remembering now how suddenly Clara and the Doctor were just like on a higher level than them. Like the Doctor is the president and Clara is 
sort of his plenipotentiary just like we can't we can't get hold of the doctor who are we gonna make unofficial president of earth clara <laughs> send her wherever clara's very capable she is but so is kegels and so is osgood and when they're being capable that's when i like them best when they have full parts mm. to play rather than just bureaucratic setups oh kegels in that western town what am i thinking of oh, where she's facing mm. down it's the zygon invasion yes yeah. Uh, what's the town called again? Hopeless. No. Um, oh, it's got a stupid name. Yeah, but it's a real place. A Mercy? No. A town a town, mercy? Yeah. No, not a town called Mercy. No, the, what am I thinking the, of? A town called Malice. Um, shit. It's the thing that they say that the Zion got the message. Do you remember the message? It's like, uh, Westwood Hollow. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a truth or consequences. Truth Bingo. Con- truth or consequences, yes. That's what it was. Which is a real real place, I think. Yes, exactly. I was going to say truth or dare, but yes, absolutely. (laughs) Truth or consequences. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Fabulous stuff. Kegels, 100% on fire. Yeah. The, like, face-off that she has with the... It's like Zygon Clara and then human kegels and they all ha- they both have oh, a yeah. box and it's like push this button and yes exactly something like half the population will die but you don't know which half i don't know i can't yeah. remember but yeah, anyway I, I, yeah. I honestly can't remember either but it was super dramatic <laughs> it's super dramatic yeah and capaldi's good in that scene too oh he's so good mm. so good and i yeah. i'm aware that neither one of us remembers it but so memorable <laughs> <laughs> no it is memorable and it is like do you know what? It's think it seems like that. He does this massive great speech about like, you know, you go to war and you don't know when you pull the first trigger, you don't know how many people are gonna die and you all end up here anyway and you just have to talk, like you can come to an agreement and Yeah. And then he goes on about like he's like he's seen enough death and he's hears so many uncountable screams when he closes his eyes and yada yada but it's like it's so powerful and it makes them both like sit up and pay attention that was the like the contrast then between his final scene where where it should have been that impactful and powerful and emotional and instead it was like oh the children the children will listen Ugh, just felt like yeah it didn't it didn't do injustice capaldi's better than that yeah, yeah. I, i've got a note from it here no idea who's gonna die whose children are gonna scream and burn capaldi acts the wheels off the thing <laughs> <laughs> you could always rely on him in the mm. third act if he was just given the space the one time i found him underwhelming in an episode was empress of mars precisely because mark gatiss didn't do that for him he didn't give him a stage on which to grandstand he kept him to the sidelines but he could have rescued that episode i know it mm. Mm. sorry this is a little bit of a step back but since I, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about danny pink before so danny pink we get to see in lots of different stages I, i'm mentioning this because i added I think incorrectly, another person to my companions of the week list. And it's Danny Pink's great great grandson or whatever, Orson Pink. Oh, yeah. Who might just equate with Danny Pink? So we get to see Danny Pink as an adult, Danny Pink as a child, being NLP'd by his future girlfriend into turning himself into a PTSD veteran. (laughs) And we get to see his potential offspring from the far-flung future, also not the happiest chum in the world. Uh, Yeah, Danny Pink, everybody. Danny Pink. Oh, Danny Pink. (laughs) Pour pour one out for him as well. (laughs) It's Samuel Anderson. We should at least name the champ. 
Oh, the actor? Yeah. Danny Pink. What else does he do a bad job? job? Do you know what? He did such a good job, I forgot that his real name wasn't Danny Pink. <laughs> oh, there you convincing. go. Convincing. Super convincing. Talk about inhabiting a character. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what you just said about Clara NLPing Tiny D- Danny, the one actual through line through this series is how she never takes responsibility for a single thing she does. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. How Absolutely. Like at the end where she's like, it's really insulting when you forgot me, old git. And she was the <laughs> one who the wiped one who did... Capaldi's memory. Exactly. You utter dick. Uh, which, by the way, also brings up one other Danny Pink element, because there's only one scene in which she does take responsibility, and that's in the um, Last Christmas episodes, where we get to see fantasy ghost Danny Pink. Oh, slightly taller Danny Pink. Slightly taller fantasy ghost, more, <laughs> e- I'm going to say, even more well-endowed Danny Pink. It is <laughs> <laughs> So th- th- yet another version of him that we get to see only exists in her mind, and that is only because she does feel responsible for it. That's the exception that proves the rule. Ah, it's a shame those festive episodes aren't really canon. (laughs) They're totally canon. All right, let's talk about the other festive episodes, shall we? All right, yeah, let's definitely round this off on that one. (laughs) Take it away. What can I say? I know, I'm not going to rehearse the two hours of bile and hatred again, but I just felt we skirted around it and it's a 0.1 and I believe that. I still believe that with all my being. So you gave, I just found it, you gave it 0.1, Marie, you gave it 2.0 and I gave it 2.2. People are podcasting and we're talking about the return of Dr. Mysterio. Oh, this is the comic (laughs) book one. That's yeah, right. No, this is a tr- this is a terrible, terrible, trashy episode. Yeah, I I you still it give it two out of five. No, I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I regret. I have regret. Well, I, I'm pleased. There must have been something good about <laughs> it. Went it. Really well. Uh, I remember it being honest. so bad. Did I rate it? The, the, the thing first that would time? have been good about it was Capaldi. Surely. Capaldi's yeah, fantastic in it. Capaldi's, mm. oh my goodness, he's interacting again with the child, as Leon said. He, Ooh. Those first 10 minutes, they're quite fun. Yeah. Do you know, I, I also just want to point out. Capaldi child scenes, actually. They yeah, are. we were totally wrong. Actually, this is a major part of his arc. But hang on, before we, we jump totally into on, onto the kid arc thingy, whatever, I just noticed that we did rate the return of Dr. Mysterio the first time when we did a special instant-ish reaction review. And Marie, you gave it three out of five the first time. You lowered no. it to two out of five the no. second time around. I also gave it a higher rating the first time around. I gave it 2.5. Lowered it to 2.2. I mean, it was Christmas. We were probably still drunk. <laughs> yeah. Probably. On the sherry week. Yeah, probably. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Leon, I can't believe you gave me a measly 0.3 after all my stories of trauma and hurt. Wait, I gave. Wait, sorry, I gave you a 0. Point, what are you talking about? Yeah, you came towards me by 0.3. Marie. Oh, I see. Came down a whole point <laughs> to meet me in in my place of agony, and you. I was listening like, to you, Drew. <laughs> so you I, gave I, Mysterio 0.1. Drew, is it the lowest rated episode you've ever? Like, is it it? Is it the worst episode in your mind? We will get to Orphan 55. (laughs) And honestly, I don't know which way it's going to go. I think so far, isn't it the lowest rated episode by anyone ever? I think so, yeah. Have you ever given out a zero? Maybe. Who back when first? Mm. I'm not proud of the 0.1. I'm really not, but I stand by it. 
There's, That's totally fair. It's such a waste of an hour. I gave Edge of Discretion 0.3. It absolutely does not deserve that. Just like The Return of Dr. Mysterio does not reser- deserve anything below a 2.0. Great, case closed, moving on. Sorry, I'm just joking. I, I love that you gave it a 0.1. I love it because it means that you must give Orphan 55 a 0.0. I mean, I'm not going to spoil where we're going <laughs> to... Uh, an episode I mean, we will review in the future. Or are you going to give, a, no give it a 0.1? Oh, sorry, Marie? I think he's got no choice. There's nowhere else to go, Drew. You've left yourself you no wiggle room. You convinced that it is, <laughs> it is categorically a worse episode than Dr. Mysterio, but I'm not sure I will find quite as much to criticise about it. If What? For no other reason it, than what? it's just so dull for large parts of its running time that I'm going to really struggle to concentrate and amass <laughs> a sheaf of angry notes. I don't think I'm going to give Orphan 55 0.0 either. But then again, I did not give Mysterio or 0.1. <laughs> so the scale is slightly different for me. I feel like Orphan 55 deserves a 0.1 just by sheer virtue of the production team having remembered to take off the lens cap. That's like, oh, well done. Well done, everyone. Well done. <laughs> you filmed an episode. Well done. I mean, you filmed anything. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I want to point out that your lowest score for a Capaldi episode is not much higher. You you did go for zero point two on the uh, the Forest of the Night. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Leon, yes, that's true. Sure yeah. yeah, that's true. That is true. I mean, that's like a, a, <laughs> just a, a reversal of roles. <laughs> it is. Drew yeah, two point one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marie, you gave it 0.5. In the Forest of the Night, I, I think we can agree, is just a steaming pile of horse manure. It, it, I, I, I think that it has a certain that uh, bucolic charm. <laughs> I think I that's like my the Faye Sylvan episode. stylings. I can imagine dryads prancing around in there. Really? Why? Because it's a forest. I like forests. Yeah, but there's nothing... Oh, I suppose there are the like light fairies at the end. But aside from that, yeah. there's nothing fantasy-ish about it. Like, there's... Uh, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna see elves or little forest nymphs in there it's it's a cool it's a cool concept. Night. i'm prepared to give it another yeah. couple of nights to see how it develops <laughs> exactly it's a cool concept enough. like if you wake up and there's a forest in your back garden like that's quite freaky yeah yeah you know what i want that to happen it. because my lawn is dead like i <laughs> i need that to happen <laughs> there's another yeah. hole in uh, in the fence and the badger's gotten back in, and now the oh, no. it, it looks like a minefield was once there, you know? <laughs> Anything that we've left unsaid that must simply be uttered before we move on to the Whittaker era? I feel like in the beginning, Capaldi was very short-cut, short back and sides with his hair, and it was too stern, and I didn't like it. And then it grew out a little bit, and he was more, like, relaxed jokery man and i loved him and that was like my capaldi and then in the end it was this wild mop of hair that was uncontrollable and it all fell apart so oh I think, interesting yeah you can judge the greatness of capaldi by the length of his hair <laughs> love it love it oh my goodness did you see the thing oh sorry hang on do you remember in the in our review of the final capaldi whatever the doctor falls mm. we talked about the ring coming off his finger oh yeah yeah it turns out none of us got it right. Kieran Evans. Hey, Kieran. 
he he schooled us on Twitter. Oh, no. The reason there is the the ring falling to the ground, that's what happens when the first doctor regenerates. The first doctor wore a ring. <gasps> he regenerates into Troughton, ring falls off. Nice. Oh, that is There's a, a callback. Call there was like nothing else about it. Yeah. Freaking thank you, Kieran. Well done. Thank, yeah, so no, that makes thank you. Jodie Whittaker, Lady Pirate Troughton. I'm gonna add a zero point one onto my review for that factoid. Nice. I mean, Marie, what you just said rem- reminds me that series nine, my favourite by a long way. Mm. Like that, that's Capaldi's imperial rock star period. Yeah, it's not like he couldn't do no wrong, but boy, did I enjoy it! Mm. I think I rated all that series above average, apart from your know. average rating for series nine was three point seven one. Drew, yeah, if if they had not dwelt on Clara being shot in the chest nice image as that was so many times over and over and over again no idea what that, you're talking about <laughs> that series would have been across the board wall to wall above average they were they were one editing choice away from a series four with donna noble oh they were so close. <laughs> i've only got one other thing i can say about capaldi before we should say a little bit about whittaker to come oh yeah um, which is just another comparison of with matt smith I remember Matt Smith, he didn't get samey exactly, but his his taking on all comers speeches of, come on, I'm, I'm big Matt Smith, yeah, yeah, oh, you're all buggered now, aren't you? <laughs> they, started, <laughs> they started to lose some of their force and effectiveness for me away before the end. It's not that it got samey, but I, I didn't feel the thrill. With Capaldi, I never stopped feeling that. I was like, bring on the bluster, bring on the bravado every single time. And I would have loved to see him carry on. I yeah. really would have. Mm. Yeah. I mean, th- this is the Doctor who was, in a way, destined not to be. This is, this is the Doctor who uh, had to be cheated into existence because there weren't meant to be this many regenerations. And thank goodness they did that because these are three such incredibly memorable, powerful seasons. Possibly, possibly my favourites of New Who to date. Probably my favourite New Who Doctor. Although I know I said that with Matt Smith as well. But Matt Smith was also great in a different way. But I think Capaldi is my favourite. So far, so far. Scratch what I said about Jodie Whittaker. We need to say goodbye to Stephen Moffat. Oh, that's so true. Mm. Oh. oh, Steve I Meister. Miss Moffat. Uh, I missed him so much that I started uh, rewatching Sherlock the other day. Oh, what a dude! What an utter dude! Any particular elements of Moffat's uh, writing and uh, story arcing style that you guys are going to miss? Well, in a way, it it still baffles me. We've done the whole run to this point. And I still can't quite figure out whether it's due to budgetary constraints, imagination, overreach, just not being able to rein in his themes tightly enough, some preoccupations, blind spots. I don't know. Moffat has so much talent and can write a one-liner for any brief, any situation. And you're always noting down, oh, that's funny. That's funny too. Now I'm just copying the script again, like I have been for (laughs) all his episodes to date. But when he screws up, he really screws up big. (laughs) When he screws up, it, it tends to be, I think, just his ego getting in the way. Yeah. 
do you think i mean we talked about the circle jerk yeah. and his little coterie of him and gatis and toby whithouse and maybe not enough female voices in the room the writer's room could it have been different <laughs> can, can, can i make a sherlock reference last night i started re-watching sherlock and uh, and i was oh right oh wait hang on there's the unaired pilot oh i'll, I'll watch that first so i watched that first I was like, that's a great episode that's such a solid pilot i i never really took to the bad guy in that particular episode but the solving of mysteries is so it's it's so clever it's really good even though every time that watson says brilliant or ingenious i think about you drew (laughs) your criticism of that kind of writing (laughs) yeah yeah. so then i I, it was still the early evening and i go oh maybe i'll just watch the start of part one and i did that not realizing that oh yeah the part one is just the reshooting of the pilot obviously but extended by half an hour exactly so like so i think to myself hmm like i don't want to watch the same mystery twice i'm just going to scrub through bits of it and see if it's massively different and the first bit that I scrubbed into was a character we had not encountered in the unaired pilot, and it was fucking Mark Gatiss. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, right, so you've oh now God. got the money from the BBC to make this. Who are we going to do? What are we going to spend that money on? Mark Gatiss. <laughs> let's, let's put my, our mates in here. <laughs> and that might be part of what... Like, Maybe not necessarily what I'm going to, you know, miss that much about the Moffat era, but that little boys club, basically. Anyway, sorry. Oh, tangent over. I'm sorry. It was an inescapable feature of that whole time. And they did tend to return to the same few messages that they like to hammer on about. And they lost ratings as they went along. So... I don't know. What's the point of me saying this? A more equitable... Well, I mean, we've got RTD coming in. And RTD, everybody's super thrilled about that. And I don't want to cannibalize the RTD bonus episode that we still intend to record. (laughs) But having one figurehead... I mean, this is a huge show. This is a whole universe. It's got to be a myriad, manifold, a multiplicity of voices. People have to be challenged. People have to be given space. People can't write three quarters of a series or an entire series with one co-writer, as has happened lately. I mean, yeah, but it's the lesson to have one cohesive vision for a for a series, right? A cohesive vision is is great, but I I like Doctor Who when it's scattershot, when something happens and it doesn't bear any relation to anything before or since because the oh, universe dude, you're is... gonna love the next season because <laughs> it's all just like disparate episodes isn't every episode written by a different person what uh chibnall's first one yeah no no it's mostly chibnall oh it's mostly oh, you... oh shit we've had this conversation others. on the podcast haven't we yeah exactly, exactly. no you're absolutely right and I, yeah I, I don't want this to be a long tangent but i'm just just saying get more people in the room it's rtd he's back he's great he's got his strengths we have reviewed his weaknesses in exhaustive detail. He does good series, great series. It's a sin, very English scandal. He does mediocre series that people don't return to. So don't just be like, RTD, great, discussion over. Pack that room! Like, yeah. tilt the odds in your favour as much as possible. Because the lessons that we will be drawing out from the Chibnall era are actually growing from seed sown in this era. 
and perhaps even in RTD's first era, where one guy takes it all on and he hands over the torch, and then that other guy hands it all on and writes what he wants for years and years and years, perhaps a bit too long, and then in comes another guy and he doesn't have quite as much to say and doesn't say it quite as well. So shake it up. Maybe let's put a pin in that until we talk about RTD and our RTD bonus episodes at some point, hopefully soon. I reckon that we will have more to say about Moff when we get into the Chibbers era. When we're going to compare Chibbers to something, we will probably compare Chibbers to the showrunner who came before him. Okay, so I'm going to make a pledge now to you and to the rest of Podcast Land. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here first. Which is when a line falls flat in Chibber's era, as it will, and lines fell flat in the Moffat era. Plenty of them. I will not say, oh, I wish Moffat had been writing this. We know that. (laughs) That everybody can get their head around that. It doesn't need to be said necessarily again, oh, what would Moffat have done with this script? I will try, not every week, to say the same thing. I promise. I will try. I will fail, but I will be trying as I fail. I'm not going to try, but yeah, let's... let's... Let's come back to that. Um, I just looked it up, actually, and Chibbers only writes five episodes of the first series and there's of ten episodes. So there are five, like, the other five all have, a di- like, a different writer for each one. So I think you're right. Like, that's what oh, I'd right. remembered as well, was there were a lot of new writers in um, Chibnall's era. Right. So. You will find that's the high watermark for his era. Oh, really? Yeah. You look at the second series, there's more Chibbers. Or at least he spread across more episodes, perhaps, as a co-writer. And then, of course, Flux is all chibbers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm. So, you know. Do you know what we need to do as well? Hang on, I'm going to bring this into frame. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> How about we uh, review Doctor Who Flux? With two X's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Podcast Land, I've got the Doctor Who Flux with two X's card game. <laughs> oh! Has nothing to do with... <laughs> With Flux, the TV series. Uh, really? It's like a, yeah. Flux, yeah. Doctor Who Flux. That'd be a great bonus episode when Flux comes around. And do you know what? I've just defeated my own argument because Chibbers entirely wrote Flux and it was the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Spoilers for Drew's rating. <laughs> yeah. So what are you complaining about? Chibbers should have had it all. I have no idea. Shut up, me. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anything else? Or shall we maybe try to tie this up in a neat little bow? I freaking loved Capaldi. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Oh. Oh. As I'm sure you're listening. <sighs> yeah. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, I've already finished my cocktails, but yeah, I mean, imagine me pouring one out. You will be sorely missed, Mr. Capaldi. <laughs> Your Majesty. <laughs> maybe he'll come back for the 60th. Oh, that would be fantastic. So excited! (laughs) Yeah, that would be really cool. Yes, please. So, a week from now-ish, we will be recording our very first uh, Jodie Whittaker 13th Doctor review. Proper. Exciting. Very exciting times. Leon, you you were going to rediscover... I am excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too, me too. You're going to rediscover <laughs> all sorts of hidden gems and fun moments that you forgot. You're, you're going to be like, all over again. Oh, Bradley Walsh was good. I I know Bradley Walsh was good. I, I'm the one who keeps saying I miss Bradley Walsh. I really enjoyed him. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah let's keep an open mind. <laughs> we will see. It's going to be great. Yeah. Shall we find out what Podcast Land has to think about Capaldi's run? Oh. What a spiffing idea. Yes, please. Bring us home, Podcast Land. This 
Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. We have uh, two listener minis for this bonus episode. First up, whoop, we whoop. have Mr. Daniel McGinley. What up, Daniel? Hi, Daniel. Sorry. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Way to bono me, dude. Way to bono the mic. I didn't mean to. <laughs> and so Daniel begins his review of Capaldi's era with some thoughts. Number one, Capaldi, obviously. What an actor. Even an inferior episode could be saved by a great performance. Yeah, true. He clearly loves being the Doctor, and the passion shows through in those monologues and speeches. Shivers up the spine every time. Whoa, I feel him, Daniel. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, look what Daniel says next! The second series is probably the best in New Who. Here's our friend who agrees with us! <gasps> whip, whip! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think so too. And while Heaven Sent is rightly lauded and gets better with each viewing, Hellbent is even better. Having not remembered the reveal, the shock ending was thrilling. I love this episode. Where's the Diner TARDIS spin-off? Oh, in my worst nightmares. No! (laughs) Yes, Daniel! Let's make that. Daniel, let's get together and make a TARDIS Diner spin-off. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you guys do that. I will happily watch it and review it on this podcast. <laughs> Only if I get Gemma Coleman involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, all right, count me in. I- I'll happily <laughs> co-produce this. Jenna, you know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> Let's make this happen. Daniel continues, story quality is very consistent with few clangers, unlike the tenant era where for every blink there was a fear her that's interesting i wonder if there were more clangers back then Mm. and maybe the fact that there are fewer clangers now is why i rate them so much more acutely (laughs) like oh you're letting all the rest down you solitary clangers anyway that's enough about clangers daniel's next thought is saying that the first season does contain the two worst stories in all of who doesn't there's no new there (laughs) that's 59 years apparently (laughs) wow Robot of Sherwood and In the Forest of the Nights. The latter being just awful. <laughs> in fact, the whole season took a while to get going, but by the end was in its stride. Completely agreed. Uh, Clara and Bill are among the best companions ever, and I even like Nardole. Nice. Me, it was great, but Danny Pink took up far too much airtime. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, Mr. So Pink. Interesting. Mm. That's what I just lambasted Nardole for doing. <laughs> Uh, horses for courses, each to their own, I suppose. Next point, Missy. The ying to Capaldi's acting yang, easily the best master. A good story arc could have had her in every episode. Hmm, not sure about the whole best master thing, but okay, I, I, fine. I think you literally said that in this podcast. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm counting classic as well. I'm going to have to say Delgado mm. is still my favorite. But she's <laughs> the best new who master. Oh, undoubtedly. Sorry, Drew. I know you've got a thing for a particular one-off master. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, if we're reviewing Scream of the Shalker, not a one-off. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> I didn't realise that yin was the dark and yang was the light. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Daniel's thoughts are educative and correct. Thank you, Daniel. Glad to have you aboard, Daniel. Daniel. 
And Daniel continues with some other thoughts I would like to agree with in advance. Surely the best TARDIS interior. It looked simply beautiful. Yes. A million percent agree. Factual. And in summary, having gone into the rewatch with trepidation, it turns out Capaldi has only gone and become my favourite new Who doctor and he's run the pinnacle of the rebooted series. And uh, Daniel gives this a doctor rating of 4.7 out of 5. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. Daniel. Yeah. Thank you very much, Daniel. Oh, that's so <laughs> bold. I could never venture a rating on an entire doctor. I just couldn't. Oh, the difficulty. Do you know what, though? Because um, Leon made this gorgeous little chart with all of our little ratings on, and on average, <laughs> we've, you know, middling threes for most series from most of yeah. us. And I think Capaldi's a better doctor than his episodes are. So if the average rating is a 3.5 for an episode, I would give him a 4.5 easily as oh, a doctor. Minimum. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Absolutely. <laughs> he is fantastic. He is the best. You're the best, Capaldi. Come back. I know. Capaldi for 14th Doctor, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I would vote for that any day. <laughs> I'm not afraid of repeats. <laughs> What would be nice is they've got enough now for a new Who Five Doctors. Mm, oh, oh yes. Yeah, Eccleston is you know back on board at least with Big Finish. I mean, mm. RTD might be a bit of a problem. I mean, but for the sixtieth, uh, let's parachute McGann in instead. Who who is going to be in the sixtieth? Eccleston, Tennant, Smith, um, Capaldi, Whitaker. Tom Baker? Catherine Tate. Donna Noble. Uh, RTD saying Kel Demarge with laser eyes. <laughs> Colin Baker? Sylvester McCoy? Oh, oh God, get them all in. in. Just yeah. get everyone in. Oh, yes, just, get McGann. It's done. Just give it all to McGann. Have 14 doctors, <laughs> plus all the unnumbered ones. Yeah. And mm. Sheridan Smith. And Sheridan Smith, exactly. <laughs> Lucy oh. Miller, for those of you who don't listen to the audios. Yum. Yes. Cannot wait. That's going to happen around about the time that we catch up with the show. That's going to be an exciting episode to film or record. Yeah. Anywho, thank you so much, Daniel McGinley. Those were some excellent thoughts, Daniel. If, yes. Absolutely if, spiffing many. Thank you very much. If all your thoughts are of that quality, keep them coming. Mm, mm. <laughs> you can keep lesser quality thoughts to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got any more uh, listener minis? I think that's your way of saying, he's next. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm trying to get away from saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, Kieran says. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, so I didn't like the Doctor's characterization in Series 8, but he got better over Capaldi's time on the show. Kieran's best story is Heaven Sent, If You Allow It, or World Enough and Time slash The Doctor Falls. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't we allow it? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. No. That's good stuff, man. <laughs> okay, good. And Kieran's worst story, In the Forest of the Night. Here's our friend. The Night. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, on a technical level, I uh, should note, um, <clears throat> Hellbent or Twice Upon a Time for pissing Kieran off the most. And <laughs> combining these two, kill the moon. Yes, Kieran! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes, your friend who agrees with you, Drew. <laughs> Kieran adds, story that everyone likes, but I strongly dislike, Zygon Invasion slash Inversion. Hmm. 
Interesting. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Mm. Way to be a contrarian, Kieran. I don't know if he is being that much of a contrarian. I think I remember as we reviewed those two, being like, oh, I remembered liking this one more than I do now. Actually, yeah, that does <laughs> ring a bell. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those, with those, those hooks that somehow bypass your conscious rational mind yeah ah, memories mm. eh oh, if only someone mm. would you know take memories to task and really give a treatment on how memories are important anyway moving <laughs> on kieran's best companion is bill mm. and unfortunately kieran's <laughs> best companion um sorry that bit of the email got scrubbed i can't i can't read it for some reason it's all gobbledygook. <laughs> that's okay because i can um... read it on my screen <laughs> he said his worst companion is clara and adds in brackets sorry marie <laughs> what i think you've made a typo i think he meant to say best character of all time not companion yeah i don't think that's what he no. meant <laughs> no no <laughs> Like, we should make a series out of Clara. Let's bring Daniel back. What's this? <laughs> I'm conflicted because I'm remembering how Clara was going to leave before series nine and be replaced by the other woman in Last Christmas. Mm. If you remember, she was being set up as the companion and then Jenna Khan was like, yeah, I'll do you one more. And they had oh, yeah. to rewrite. And I was like, yeah, that would have been a great place for Clara to leave. But series nine was so good. <laughs> Yeah, they wouldn't have been able to put Witches Familiar and Magician's Apprentice right at the beginning and have Capaldi get so protective over a companion he's barely met. Oh, I would have thrown the whole thing off. Oh, this alternate history is melting my brain. Leon, what's next? <laughs> uh, next is the best villain. Missy, says Kieran. I think it's a tricky one for this run of the show. And Kieran continues with yet more sage observations. Worst villain, um, the monks. Maybe just for wasted potential. Yeah, the monks are all over the place. Agreed. And Kieran's best alien is the boneless from Flatline for the design. Yeah, I'll probably agree with you on that. Yeah, they were very cool. Very creatively fashioned. Really well done, BBC. Mm. Conversely, the worst alien, the eaters of light? Question mark? <laughs> Which one's the Eaters of Light? Which ones are they? It's the ones with the whippy black and white tendrils. Um, they're all swimming through the portal and that one oh, is running no. around the forest. Oh no, yeah, that's so bad. Why did we not talk about the Eaters of Light as the worst episode ever? And how little sense it made. It's such yeah. utter nonsense. Terrible. What did we score Eaters of Light? Because yeah, I just googled it and the images just made me cringe. Like my whole body just like yeah. convulsed. Yeah, you gave that 1.5, like, Marie. I gave it 1.7. Okay. Drew, 2.4. What? Yeah, but that may have been one of my more contrarian moments. Daniel, <laughs> convince us that wasn't a clanger. I dare you. Yeah, all right. Nice summary, Kieran. Well done. Excellent way to wrap up the episode. How can you take what you've got of Kieran and just, just cling on to him and follow him around? Excellent question. Well, you can head on over to Twitter and follow him at KJ Evans. A what, Marie? Two. That is right. The number. <laughs> also right. <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, one, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Before I head to Twitter to follow Kieran at KJ Evans, too, what have we got coming up next, guys? 
excellent question. Does someone know what the next new Who is going to be called? Wow. Oh my god, it's an exciting one. Why are we all... <laughs> who's hesitating? We should all know this off the tip of our tongues. It's the first Jodie Whittaker. Whittaker. It's the most it's the exciting. Wo- it's, the, oh it's the current the fucking woman. doctor. Oh no. It's the woman. <laughs> 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 I really wanted to say it in unison there. Sorry. Yeah, it's the first one. Holy smokes, it's the first 13th Doctor episode. The woman who fell to Earth. Mega super duper excited. Mega excited. I can't In preparation myself. for that review, Podcast Land, I order you go out and listen to our instantish reaction review because I'm pretty sure we were all way more enthusiastic about it the first time around. And I cannot wait. To, I can't wait to re-listen to, to myself. Like, you speak I am for yourself. speaking for I myself. I tend to be <laughs> equally enthusiastic this time around. If not Fine, more. be that way. <laughs> I think it's going to stand up. I hope so. Okay. I hope so. Wow. Look at all the potential on display here. And then we will carry on and see whether that was realised yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. Without... I'll get to all from 55. <laughs> <laughs> It's just I, one episode. It's just one episode. I think that's fair. It's a blip. It's totally okay. Fair. We were allowed a blip. Yeah. It's a solitary clanger. Even Capaldi. <laughs> even Capaldi had them. It's fine. Absolutely. Totes malots. But that's new who. What, are we ever going to do any classic who stuff? I guess. What, what have you got coming up in the classic who realm? Jim and Leon will be reviewing Resurrection of the Daleks. Dang right. Again? Yeah, they're gonna. They they just keep being resurrected. Those dudes. <laughs> no, can't get rid of those Daleks. They're like fungus or carpet moths. Oh, that's really gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> great. Sorry. And once you've got that image out of your head, why not tune into an audio? Marie, what do you think that we should be reviewing in the audio category? Well, it's just my opinion, but if I was reviewing audios, I would head straight in for the reaping, because I've heard oh, that's, that's such a good idea. really, really cool. Yeah, That's exactly what we're going to do. I feel I like you have it. a lot to say about that one. <laughs> Drew, are you on board for that? Yeah. Bingo, that's happening. Uh, in bonus territory, who knows what we're going to do? It might be the uh, Davison retrospective, because we don't have much Davison left to go either. Oh, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... That's it for us, and that's it for Capaldi. Um, and that makes me very sad. But I will, before I switch off and cry into my wine glass, let's give a fond farewell to my fellow co-hosts. And if you would Ooh. like to reach out to them, they can Ooh. be found at Drew. Where can where can people find you? You can commiserate with me over Capaldi's demise at Drew Backwen on Twitter. Excellent branding, my friend. And Leon, Mr. Leon, where will people go on the Tinterweb if they want to uh, hear more pills of wisdom? Holy smoke, Rooney's and cheese nozzles find me at ponken p-o-n-k-e-n yeah you know what i'm never going to change that handle um yeah high five me online i will high five you right back and what if you, you want Marie? some content of the visual yeah, variety you. yeah you can head straight to instagram i'll be there posting pictures of my cats come join me nice. i'm at hamash and jelly wow, wow those, those are three of my favorite great work team (laughs) that's it for us so i wish you all a fond farewell and (laughs) be kind wonderful be kind to each other be excellent to one another keep chugging away you're doing wonderful i'm proud of you all Uh, and i love you (laughs) goodbye yeah rock on uh catch you next week ciao ciao bye bye (laughs) 
Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hooray! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?